Welcome to Highly Functioning, a show about exploring, understanding, and optimizing the mind from a non-neurotypical lens. On this week's episode of Highly Functioning, we talk about addiction, our personal experience with it, how we define it, and how we find ourselves in an addiction. This includes addiction as an escape and a filler of time. We then talk about personal ways to overcome addiction and the application of willpower in the process. Key points that we think don't get enough attention is the need to articulate your positive purpose and the need to forgive yourself during the process. As always, thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcasting app. Follow us and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash highlyfunctioning. And if you like our content, consider supporting us at highlyfunctioning.ca. There you'll find bonus content, Q&As, and be able to provide direct input on how you can change a show. Hey, David. Hello. How are you, my man? I'm doing really well. I think I'm I'm on an upward trajectory, and I'm really looking forward to this whole year and this conversation because I know it's a topic near and dear to your heart. <laughs> For people just tuning in, we've uh, we've started this episode, I think, four or five times now. <laughs> so David's been talking about his good year for the fifth time. Um, and, I'm ta- and I'm getting ready to talk about addiction, which, as David mentioned, is a topic that's near and dear to my heart because it has been an issue that I myself have been dealing with, uh, as well as something that I would have never in a million years thought I would be dealing with. Because I always thought, how on earth could people get addicted to something don't they just have the willpower to be able to not get addicted and only people that are um, weak-willed um, let themselves be put in a situation where that becomes the case? And it was very hard for me to finally look at myself and say that, hey, I'm addicted to something. Um, and when it hit me, I was like, okay, cool. Like, I really need to go look into this and find out what the causes are, how can I manage it, things like that. Uh, So it's interesting because I have the exact opposite experience, if it's possible. Like I've had an addictive personality since I was a kid and I've known it. Like I was the kid who'd eat junk food till he would like be sick to his stomach. I've always had an addictive personality and it was like a joke with my friends as long as I can remember how addicted I got to everything. So (laughs) similar, like I, I also know I have an addictive personality, but like I think there's a difference between an addictive personality and addiction per se, right? Like I, I try, I, I almost, yeah, for me right. specifically, I say like an addictive personality, like like if I start eating something, I'll continue eating it. Or if I'm into something, I'll like listen to it and I'll like really, really dive into something until I had like all of it. Um, but it's different than like almost well, doing and, it against your will, you know? Yeah, an addiction is when like you have a hard time not doing something you're trying to not do or you know is detrimental to your life. You You want to not do something but you almost can't stop yourself or it's very, very difficult to stop yourself for whatever reason. Um, yeah, that's, you know, my understanding of what addiction is. And I, and I'll say off the top, like I I'm still thinking about whether or not I even think it's a really kind of valid thing. Cause I do think fundamentally the only way to get over an addiction is willpower. There's nothing else that can do it. And so it's a matter of, okay, once you're addicted, it's not, that doesn't mean it's easy to get out of the habit but that's true of many habits, right? And so, you know, it's interesting for me to think about whether it's qualitatively different than just other pa- habits, just addiction or ones we label as particularly bad. Um, but I'm interested in kind of your thoughts and your framing of the topic. Um, 
And so one thing I'll first start off with in terms of a delineation between what I define as something that's addictive is there are things that we like to do that we genuinely like to do and we do it all the time. And like, I guess generally we might call that, oh, I'm like, I'm addicted to doing this thing, but you still find enjoyment out of it. I consider, um, when I consider something to be an addiction when you do it, even though you know you shouldn't be doing it or you do it and you don't derive as much pleasure from it any, anymore. Um, and like, that's a major delineation that I would make. And the example that I, I would I would say is that I don't I was, think that's a full enough delineation because there are people who are addicted to things who don't recognize the damage and would claim at least, or it's possible that they still do find joy out of it, but it would still be a, an addiction. Like if it's destroying the rest of their values, right? Someone can still find joy in gambling and be addicted, uh, but not think it's an issue at all and still find joy in it, but their whole life is falling apart around them. Right. So I think that's an important other factor. Like just, you could not recognize an addiction and it would still be an addiction in that frame. And I think that's fair. But like, I think that's also a little bit too much of a caveat where I find that like if someone does lose and like, and not to say that it's not right or that like to be, to have a perfect delineation, that's not, that's not true. It's just that like most cases, at least that I've heard of, or at least I can fathom, like if you're um, having a gambling addiction and you lose all your money, you lose your family, you lose your house, you lose all that, like I, I'd find it hard to believe. Um, and maybe it is true and someone can correct me on that where you can't look and be like, this is prop, like I have an addiction or I, I have something that's wrong or like, you know, you don't feel good about having to do that thing, right? Of course, there are situations in which it's you catch it or someone's catching it early and they tell you before you like ruin your entire life and they don't know that it's an addiction. But I find that like the worst addictions are the ones where you can't stop doing it even though that you know you should. Does that make sense? It makes sense. I just disagree, right? I think most of the people that you consider have a bad addiction are people who do not recognize the issues it's causing in their life right? Mm-hmm. Once like admitting you have a problem is the first step because most people do not do that, right? Most people think it's fine. Um, the first step is of getting over the addiction is admitting you have a problem and getting control of it. But many people don't do that. And it's not that one day they wake up and their whole lives, life's destroyed. It's that they're slowly destroying their life, but they think, oh, it's not important enough to worry about because this is still good this is good enough that I don't care that the other stuff's being destroyed. And then at some point, hopefully sooner than later, they wake up and they're like, shit, my whole life's gone. Right. Yeah. yeah. So with that, I think I understand that a lot better. I agree with you. Cause like, that's the hardest part. And I've seen my, and like to give context, like where I found, I found out I was addicted was with my phone. Um, and like, I know it's like pretty normal for people to say I'm addicted to their phone, but for me, it was so much so like, it was taking away multiple cop- like copious amount of hours uh, out of my day where like there was days where I was looking at something, I would get stuck in it. Or like, you know, that classic example, like you get stuck in a YouTube verse mm-hmm. um, that would happen to me. And then I would get off of it and I'd like get on Instagram or get on Reddit and I'd be stuck there. And like my day would just pass me by. Like, of course I'd have other productive things and like, like go to work and stuff like that. And I would like sort of rationalize it away saying like, I'm still a functioning human being, but mm-hmm. like I would, be those people that like always has their phone in front of them and is not able to get off of that phone. Yeah. Um, And I think social media and smartphone addiction is a huge, huge issue. Video games apparently are as well, but I don't know as much about that. But I think like I, I do not dismiss glibly if that's the right word, 
the idea of smartphone addiction, I think it's as addictive as drug use, right? Like, um, and there are, are chemical reasons for that that I'm not an expert on, but like what it does in the brain and stuff. Mm-hmm. So and, I totally can get that. And I find like specifically smartphone addiction and some other addictions that are out there, like it's especially dangerous. Um, and not to say it's more or less dangerous than drug addiction because there's that chemical component involved uh, or more stronger. Drug literally kill you. Yeah. Some yeah. drug addiction. Sure. Um, absolutely. I mean, like alcohol addiction, right? Like if you completely cold turkey, you might die just from the withdrawal syndrome symptoms. But um, I mean that I find smartphone addictions to be something that's that's almost peculiar in a way that some people almost have it as like a badge of honor or like joke about it uh, online. It's like, oh, like this is me and like, oh, like, can you, like, there'll be a meme that's like, oh, like, can you relate to this and like laugh about it that like, oh, everyone picks up the phone in the morning and like get stuck on their phone and like, that's just a normal course of action. So you find that like, at least I found myself justifying like, oh, everyone spends multiple time times on Instagram. That's just like the new way people do things or that's the new way people spend their time. And like, there weren't as many people point, pointing out like, oh, like this is probably not very healthy. Well, I think now people are pointing out that it's not very healthy. They're starting to, but I would also say maybe your, uh, I don't know, but maybe your experience isn't broad enough with other kind of addictive things because I know people who very much casually gloat about how much they smoke or drink, right? And it's like, oh yeah, good for you. Like, oh, you party every weekend. I wish I could do that still or whatever, right? Like there was a joke in university. We're not alcoholics until we graduate right? Like it's okay for a student or, oh yeah, like how much weed do you smoke per month? How like, oh man, you smoke twice as much as I do. Like, and it was like, some people would have that in a positive tone, right? Mm-hmm. So I do think that, but I think like, so like social media addiction is just like totally widespread, right? Many more people are addicted to social media than they are uh, drugs or alcohol would be my guess. And especially a lot of younger people too. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. Like that, that's something that can persist. Like that's that classic example of like guys being like, oh, like I can drink an entire bottle of a two six. Like how much can you drink? And you have like these binge parties where now you actually have a legitimate addiction where you're always consistently drinking. And like you mentioned, yeah. like an alcohol addiction is uh, particularly scary because if you jump off an alcohol addiction, like it becomes a big problem. Like you mm-hmm. might, um, you might potentially die. Yeah. And I think it's an, I think it's an interesting thing because I, you know, addiction is an interesting topic because I, I recently saw a memory because I struggled a lot quitting weed, much more than any of the other issues I've had with addiction. And uh, I remember I saw these comments from someone claiming that weed is not addictive. And like, it's the same as someone who's quote addicted to fresh air and fresh air makes them feel good. How is weed any worse? And I mean, it's not worth going down that path because I think probably this person has a problem with weed. Um, but like, it, it's it's just interesting that people can have. It's it's a difficult issue to talk about properly because, like I said, I'm, I'm like, you know, is it just a matter of willpower or not? But I I just thought about that because even like you know, some people will be totally dismissive of social media addiction, but there are people who are dismissive of alcohol or drug addiction too. Um, sorry, just give me one quick second. Just don't use your headphones. Huh? I can't. Hold on one second. Because it's not the actual headphones. 
It's the audio. Like, see, it's even coming out of the H6, and you can hear it. It's an issue with the power. Huh? Is it plugged in or running from battery? No, it's, it's running straight for, oh, you think I should run it off battery? Okay, here, let me try Because it's basically the, it's the, the power is like creating static or something. Why did it do that halfway? I don't know. Maybe someone's like, maybe something happened in the power grid. Maybe someone's using something in the, in the house that changed. I don't know. But I would assume something, it's something to do with the actual electricity. Here, I'll use battery power. Do you want to just continue where we left off? Yeah. Your turn. Or do you want to tell me about how swell your, uh, your day is? No, I don't want to restart. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but what's the... Um, what was the I, I missed a bit of the last point. I'll just continue off of what you said last. Well, I basically said how, yeah, there are people who can be as dismissive of drug use, of alcohol use, as they are of social media use and social media addiction, right? And so, um, you know, social media is a new drug, right? So people aren't, don't know as much about it. But, you know, I, there's also an uptick in peers of mine who use other drugs, right? Like more harsh drugs, and they think it's fine. Um, and, you know, they, I have friends who still think it's fine that they drink every weekend, right? And and not like just like a drink, but they like drink every weekend or almost every weekend or every time they hang out together, they still need to get drunk. And they think, well, that's just what's fun. They don't, I see it as a problem, but they don't, right? And so it's like, well, where's the line with addiction or not? And so I think it's like, a, it's an interesting kind of broad issue of how do you talk about and approach addiction generally, especially because, you know, my view is fundamentally it's someone has to take responsibility for themselves, right? Like someone, the only way to stop an addiction is willpower. Like that's mm -hmm. basically it, right? And like, there are different systems to help you get that control back. And the longer you've not had that control, the more difficult it is to get back. So that's the true with any habit you create. And that's fair. And like one of the things I, th I think to first address what you mentioned about how, we actually get into these, like how you ha actually have that conversation about addiction. I think it's important to start with what causes you to get addicted to things in the first place. And I think it's usually one of two things, right? It's either, or one of two, maybe three or 2.5, like you would say. Um, I think there's only one, so I'm interested to hear. One is, is an escape, right? Yeah. Um, it's an escape where you're trying to get away from pain. You're trying to get away from this idea. You're trying to get away from the way that your life is right now. Or two, and maybe you might think it's a cop-out answer, is that like peer pressure, where like sometimes you were, you were fine. Like we know of people, like I can think of people that I went to school with that were like completely okay and they got peer pressured into one drink or one line or one whatever. Um, and then I saw their life fall apart um, because they like really liked that dopamine hit and went after. It. And that's like, it's bad luck mixed with like peer pressure. And you could of course argue like... Um, you could, of course, argue like they should have had the willpower to say no to those things. But like peer pressure can sometimes be really overwhelming. Um, and especially at a young age uh, or in a very vulnerable state, it's hard to say no to things, especially if you like, it might be a tandem example where 
you are being peer pressured into something and you also do want an escape escape because you're upset about something. It's like a guy drinking when they break up with a girlfriend, you know what I mean? Or a girl for that matter as well. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent, but I, yeah. So especially for young people, peer pressure is really difficult and, you know, I've experienced it as well. Um, and I pressured people as well. Um, but I would say, yeah, that still falls under an escape because the escape could even be, why are my fr- like, I don't want to be doing this right now. I'm in a situation where my alleged friends are telling me I should be doing this. So I could either leave and admit these people are not my friends or I need to give in. Right. So it's still escaping the reality. It's just escaping the reality, but with a different lens. But for me, it's one thing. Yeah. Addiction is a way to escape reality. Um, like I do not want to deal with my life. I want to deal with something else, or I want to augment my experience through chemical compounds or whatever it is. Um, because I do not want, I do not like reality for some reason and I don't want to deal with it. And like, it's important to preface and always say that like, there are situations in which some things can be fun, right? Like looking at your phone can be fun. Like, um, having a drink or two can be fun. Um, it becomes in, this is what I was alluding to a little bit earlier. It becomes a problem when it starts diminishing those, those values, the things that you find important and you need that drink more than you need to care about your family or need to care about you, what you like your own self-interest and things like that. So I, I think I'm even a little harsher because, you know, I'm coming out of, let's say a Buddhist phase where it was very much renounced all of this sort of stuff, no drugs, no alcohol. Um, and I struggle to see the value of it at all. So I talked with, you know, uh, an objectivist philosopher, Ankar Gatte, uh, people can check it out on the ARI uh, YouTube channel, um, about drugs. And he said, the primary thing is, does this add value to your life? Not just, is it a neutral thing? Like you shouldn't do stuff just because it doesn't damage your life. You should do something if you think it adds value to your life. And I recently talked with someone Who's a, who's a recovered alcoholic or recovered something like six years sober or something. And he says he doesn't think that there's any reason it adds value. You know, I've discussed with someone, if I'm in a situation with friends where I do think I want a drink to help the situation be more enjoyable, I've been in many situations where I don't need a drink to make the situation more enjoyable. So is it like if I'm really trying to optimize my life, Am I putting myself in which, which situation more often, right? So I, I, I'm hard-pressed to believe with drugs and alcohol that there's ever a time it's not an escape. But that's a very extremist position, right? Um, most people think if you have a drink or two, like that's just fine. It helps relax you or whatever. But I think, you know, if I'm in total control of my mind, I can be relaxed when I want to be relaxed, right? Um, so, but it's an interesting thing, you know, and and social media and stuff is sort of different because it's a tool, right? It's a communication mechanism. TV has value, like movies have value and it's just, okay, at some point there's a, a, a tipping point, right? I think that's much more obvious that those can provide value. And I'm not as extremist in that point of view like i tend to think like it's okay if you can like if you come back home and then you want to have a like a drink with your friend or like you have a thing with your father where you like have a glass of whiskey or something like that like i think it's fine um i i like i mentioned before draw the line when it starts to um impinge on you wanting to do things that you actually find are important and i find like sometimes it's nice to have a drink with a with a friend of yours 
Um, and like, I don't think it's as much of a problem, but like, I do see your point of view as well, right? Like, um, if you're so in tune with your mind, like, why can't you have that conversation without that drink or like, yeah, there, exactly. and there's also the yeah. argument to be made that like some drinks, I, I enjoy the taste of, like, I enjoy the taste of wine. I enjoy what goes out of it, stuff like that. And so like, I like to drink, um, that's like a different wine. thing, right? I do think if someone really enjoys like the art of tasting, let's call it, that's different. And, and then, you know, alcohol is a is a side effect and it's like okay if i'm drinking for another reason that there's a side effect to drinking alcohol almost right but it's different than drinking for the sensation which most of my peers that's what they do it for um so i i think that's uh i i think that's valid you know um yeah I and i think there's i think there's one point in which I, I find that we will probably have a disagreement and that's the way in which you overcome um addictions because wait, for before me, we go to overcoming oh. addictions, I remembered my last point, because I think also I'm not a fan of the slippery slope argument, generally speaking. But I do think it's really interesting to think about it with substance use, because, you know, I was recently I I, I recorded an episode about like, is there val- of, of my show, The Safe Space, is there value in getting blackout drunk? Right. And and because I used to get blackout drunk in university. And after that, a friend of mine talked about how right now he drinks every weekend, but it's because he doesn't have anything else he wants to do. Like there's just nothing to do. So I may as well drink. Right. And it's like, okay, fair enough. That's what I did sometimes in university as well. But there's also, well, if you did thing, if you didn't drink every weekend, you'd kind of be forced to come up with other things to do. And you could most people can find something of value they could do in addition to what they're doing right now. And so it's like, is that an addiction? Where's the balance? Is it okay to just drink and and not care about life for a day, every week, every month? Or is it a problem? Is it actually detrimenting your life? And I think for the average person, it's a lot more difficult to actually know that it's not damaging their life than they think. Most people think, oh, it's just part of my life. It's, but think about the ideal life, think long and hard about the, everything you wish you could accomplish and see is the alcohol, well, I'm not going to get that done tonight, so I may as well have a couple of drinks or whatever. I think it's a lot more difficult than most people think to really say the alcohol is not detrimenting their life or whatever other substance. I love how you brought this up. The reason being um, that... I had this exact problem when I started um, fixing my like social media use. Like it's not all gone and I'm still working on it. And I can talk about that a little bit. Um, but once I like got off of five, six hours a day on my phone, I was like, I have five, six hours. I don't know what to do. Like, what do I do with this extra time? Like I could do like, of course you can like do other things like self-improvement stuff. Like sometimes you want to break or you want to do some other things. And sometimes they might not be as enjoyable to do. But I found that like, social media was an escape when I had like downtime or free time and I would go there. And once I got rid of it, knowing that it was a problem and stopping from other things, I find it, I found it so um, enticing to go back to it because I couldn't find a way to fill my time. Mm -hmm. And I really had to sit down and I got to talk to others and talk about like different ways in which I can create alternative practices or alternative things that I want to do um, in order to fill that space with things that I, in my own values, find to be important. And right. it and is supremely difficult that I that I found 
Um, and it's, it's one of the easiest ways in which I find that like, in my case, social media addiction sort of pulls you back in. Well, and that's the same with my friend talking about his alcohol use, right? Because fundamentally we we've not, most people were not trained to actually think about what they value, think about how to add value to their life. So there is just this, this whole, right. I have a job. What do I do? Okay. I have a job. I have some friends and then what do I do? Right. And then the answer is nothing. So I'll just do nothing in whatever mechanism I choose to do with, with whichever mechanism I choose um, to do nothing with. Um, but it is like, you know, I had the same experience. Mine was kind of, I got addicted to mindfulness and meditation for like a year and a half. Like I was doing it and like obsessing over it. Um, and so whether or not it was an actual addiction, but then when I decided to not do that, and to start trying to live a more normal life, I had no idea. I still am struggling. I literally made a list of the things I valued when I was a kid. And it's like, maybe I'd still value these because it was so foreign to me to actually think about what I want to do with my time, what I want to generate. And so it was easy. Yeah, in university, I just drank and partied. And, and then I had more free time, so I partied more. And then I left university. I thought, this isn't as acceptable, but now what do I do with my time? Right. And it was always just trying to fill time rather than live life. Mm -hmm. And I find, and this might be then transitioning over like how you can over, overcome it. But like the, you mentioned how you got um, interested in like mindfulness and stuff like that. I find the difficulty with addiction is that um, sometimes there's like the chemical reactions that are going on with like withdrawal symptoms and there's social behavioral reactions, especially with like drinking. Like sometimes if you go to a party and you're saying, Hey, I'm not angry and drink people sort of have this like weird reservation from you because they're like, Oh, like I'm drinking and I'm becoming inebriated. I don't want to like talk to someone who's sober because I'm inebriated. I want you to be inebriated as well. So there's like a social dynamic there, but with, um, like substances specifically, I find it's hard to then like transition right away because like to anyone who's of course woken up hungover, like you have another drink in the morning, you usually feel pretty good. Right. Um, like there's some people who I know that like their, their hangover cure is a mimosa in the morning. And like, that is, I guess, slippery slope where you, I know some, like I could see a way in which you could drink and then have a withdrawal symptoms the next day and drink to like fix those withdrawal symptoms. And now you're just consistently going downhill and it becomes hard to make that switch over. Yeah. And, I think, I think and that's that, what, sorry, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'll go. <laughs> this is like, this goes back to like my first way that I've, that I thought of as, and there's like six, I think there's six or seven way, things that I think I have had to personally keep in mind and write down on how I would like help overcome it. And the first one is to like wean off of it. Like don't cold turkey because it's very hard, especially with me to find out how do I have six, like how do I fill in six hours versus how do I fill in an extra hour that I have? It's an easier task to go ahead and hit. And it's a lot harder. And I find it's like, it, it's a lot. And the best way I can explain it is like, it's a lot harder to cut something out completely the same way it is to take on a habit completely as well. So, and I might not be explaining this well, but it's almost the inverse of if someone wants to work out, if you make them work out six times a week, you might get them sticking to that for a week or two, but they'll fall off because they haven't built that up or like built up the tolerance for it. I think it's better in the inverse that if you're spending six hours, try cutting that to five and a half and then go to five and then go to four and a half. And you'll start, it's so gradual that you don't really notice a difference. And I find that to be much easier. 
And once you like get down to like the four hours or the three and a half hours, it's hard to come back up to six because it seems so much. I find that it's a much more sustainable way in which to like wean off of an addiction that you have. And it's partially what you have to do with alcohol, but that's for like actual physiological reasonings. But I think it's, uh, there's part of it that does apply here. Yeah. I mean, physiology aside, right? Like there are withdrawal symptoms that need to be dealt with properly and stuff. Um, I, I think I disagree. Like, you know, I'm trying to think of the, it's interesting because, you know, I think I didn't typically quit stuff cold Turkey. I did wean myself off, but I think then there are issues with that, right? If you, you know, if you're going from six to four, well, what's wrong with four and a half? What's wrong with five and a half, right? Like why not do the extra bit? If it's like, if the principle is it's acceptable to X, why not X plus one, right? And so it's hard, especially it depends how much you're actually struggling with that. Um, it's hard to really kind of stick firm to it. So I, I agree with you. And, and most of the time um, I did that for myself, um, but it wasn't, it was more so I'm going cold turkey. And if and when I fail, I'll be very attentive to what's going on when I fail and be compassionate to that failure as well. So I tried to cut it out and let myself uh, relapse or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I think of, you know, I want to get into what I think is the only way to get over addiction, right? But um, when I was working on getting over my gambling issues, um, what I did is I went, I had practiced a lot of mindfulness and I went into the casino with the intent, okay, I have X amount to gamble, but I paid very close attention to myself the entire time. Because normally when you're in the habit pattern, it's automatic, you're just going through the motions and then, oh, wow, five hours just went, I'm down $1,000 or whatever it is, right? But going in, knowing I'm watching my own experience, I was able to feel the sensations. I felt the urge to do it and I, and I paid attention to it. I actually had that today. I'm trying to quit junk food again. And I, I felt a real, like a real urge for chips. I've been trying to stop eating these chips for a long time and I felt it. And I was like, okay, today I'm going to give in. I'm choosing to give in. And then part of my mind went, no, never give in. And I was like, no, okay. I feel this, I know the urge, and then I can get used to it and I can kind of learn to uh, deal with that monster or whatever it is, right? And so I put myself in the situation, but I'm very conscious of what am I experiencing? Why am I having these urges, right? Because they come from somewhere. Um, and so what I would say to that, right, is it's I'm not trying to say that you can't cold turkey because there's people that cold turkey off of like, in like very, very um, strong drugs yeah. and things like that. Uh, I just mean that I find that this is an easier way to do it that um, is more manageable, especially because there's a few other like components. Like if I go through my list, right? Like, and I, I have it in front of me. Um, like the reason why you go wean, wean off is because I think it's also important when you're, build, when you're breaking your addiction to reward yourself for having like gone through something. Of course, don't reward yourself with the addiction, but like right. when you start, when you go, go from the five to the four and it's an arbitrary number, 
It's just, you have to gradually be going down, like reward yourself with something else that you enjoy doing, play an extra hour of video games, do something like that. So you actually have a positive association with what you're doing. Cause sometimes yeah. if it's something that you found a lot of joy in and you just take out that joy, you like, you, you're like, why, why would I, why am I hurting myself? Why am I making myself more upset by not doing this thing? And you go and run back to it. Yeah. I think my point is primarily that that might be right for you, but I wouldn't be confident enough to put forward either of these as it works better or not for like as a principle, right? Like I don't Fair. know. I think it's important that, you know, because there are certain people who I think that would not be the right approach. And there are certain substances that that would not be the right approach. Right. But it's, I think it's very much about each uh, situation and each person. So I just wanted to highlight that. Yeah. I'm not saying that your that will never work. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's why part of the reason why I wanted to say that it's like a personal way in which I would get over it. Cause I found that it was the only one that's really effective for me. Yeah. Um, and the other one was um, add barriers like add, like with social media specifically, right? Like we try to make it so it takes the least number of clicks for you to get that dopamine hit. And I find in order to build yourself off of that, you have to build multiple barriers before that dopamine hit. So you give yourself places to execute that willpower and stop yourself. So for example, like with my iPhone, I um, went ahead and got uh, like the time limits set up in between. So once I hit a certain amount, there would be something that stopped that I actively had to say, yes, I want to continue doing this. And sometimes that was enough for me to stop and put my phone away. Or like the reason why I ended up getting an Apple watch was for the same like um, iPhone addiction reason in that sometimes like I would be like, I need to have my phone on me at all times because who knows, there might be an emergency or someone definitely needs to get a hold of me and I need to check my phone. Or so even when I left my phone somewhere else, every hour or two, I'd come and check to make sure like, Hey, like who knows someone might have gotten into a car accident and they're calling me of all people and not 911 or whatever it is. And then anxiety is something that leads to addiction. Sure. Um, and so for me, like I got the watch because now I can leave my phone anywhere. And if there is an emergency, I'll get it on my watch and I can go run and look at my phone. And so far I've been trying this for two weeks now, uh, or a week, a little bit over a week now. And it's been great. Like my, my screen time is down like 25% just off the bat because you build those barriers in place so I can execute my willpower and willpower and say, hey, no, this is wrong. When I think regardless of the barrier explicitly, it's a reminder, right? Because the issue, especially with social media addiction, but also with you know, some substances, it's that you're not, you turn off your mind, right? And so you just flow in and it's just going and going. So even if it wasn't a barrier and it was just a notification, you've been on for one hour, it's, oh, wow, I'm like aware of that. Whereas if you're just down the rabbit hole, you don't necessarily um, notice that. Um, I do, I want to add kind of what I think is the thing though, that is kind of the counter to addiction. But I think it's also important to note for social media, like I had a conversation once with friends where they were literally like, what do you scroll? Right. So it's this idea of there's endless scrolling and we were talking very casually like, oh, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Reddit. And it was literally like a question of where do you scroll? Like, what's your poison? And it was very bizarre the way uh, we were talking about it. And I think the reason I take social media so seriously, and I think it's like an entire new phenomenon, is that this is something that can be personally targeted to each person to be addicted. 
I know what's the most addictive to Winston, and I'm going to send him those things, right? That's what these companies are literally doing. They're hiring the world's best technologists to addict you to their product, right? Um, so I just want to highlight that. I think it's like very important to take this seriously. But, you know, I want to abstract out and say, you know, I think there's one issue that causes addiction, wanting to escape or evade reality. And there's one thing that can solve addiction, having a purpose, having a real deep purpose. And this is something that, again, was recently highlighted to me by someone that that is like the only thing that really if the only way someone can really fundamentally want, choose to give up the things they're addicted to is when they have a purpose and they see directly the choice is my purpose or this thing, right? Any hour you're just mindlessly on social media or any night you spend drinking is a time you're not pursuing your purpose. You're not adding value to your life. You're not growing your life and making your life better. And if you actually know you can do that and you know you how to do that, what you're aiming at, then it's it becomes a much different uh, equation than just like, oh, I'm just walking through life and like, well, I may as well do this because I don't have anything else to do, right? Um, and, and I think that's a really important point. I don't know how broadly that applies, but I, you know, this is a new idea in my mind, but I think it makes a lot of sense to me and, you know, when I was getting, when I was ditching uh, alcohol and drugs and gambling, um, it was, no, I, what do I want my life to be? When I'm 65, what is my life? It does not involve drinking. When like, my ideal life does not involve drinking with friends. So why am I doing that now? It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense because it's not something that's aiming me at the life I want to have. Right. Um, and I think that is it's it's very obvious then. And it's very obvious even when I'm struggling, like I'm still, you know, using some substances or whatever. It's like I know it's bad. I know it's bad. And, and it's much easier to kind of recognize that and turn away from it because I know what it's preventing me from getting. So I agree in that it's important, but I, do, I think it's one piece of the puzzle. And I, I, I'd almost implore to see if you were really addicted to that thing, because in most, like I spent a lot of time like um, reading about addiction and listening to stories about people that are addicted. Right. Um, and in some cases they've had like a really, really strong pur purpose, whether it be their family, like they they love their kids. They love their, their love what they're doing. They have like a specific hobby or whatever it is. And you could argue maybe their purpose was not strong enough. Um, but like they knew like this was the wrong thing to do. Like I had the choice between, between like amphetamines and choosing to like spend time with my kids. And I chose to go with the amphetamines because they had such a strong, like a strong pull against me. And so I think it's important. Like, I think it'd be very, like, I think it'd be very difficult to break out of addiction without a, another area to, to spend that time or to uh, have a thing to pursue. But I don't think, and I guess if I, if I really think about it, like this goes back to what you mentioned about um, forgiving yourself and things like that, um, in that it's not as easy to make that decision. But like, I, I guess you would say, and I'm, I guess I'm sort of getting like uh, confused a little bit here, but you would forgive yourself if you choose not to choose that, like the right purpose all the time. 
But I just like, I, I'd have a hard time thinking that like just that purpose is enough. Cause a lot of the time it's hard to make that logical decision, even though, you know, it's the right thing to do. You still choose the wrong thing. Yeah. I think it's not easy, right? I didn't say it's easy. And I'd argue, I would posit most people do not have a proper purpose in their life. Right. I think that's what leads them to substance in the first place, right. Is they don't have that. And so like I, taking care of kids is not a purpose for most people. It can be if they really are dedicated to raising the best children possible, but most parents, that's not their orientation, right? So if the choice is spend time with my kids or amphetamines, yeah, maybe amphetamines are better, but that's not the same as like purposefully being a parent, right? Most parents are not purposeful in their parenting. They're just parents. They have kids, right? Mm. Um, and, and yeah, so your other point was that, yeah, well, it's still, uh, you know, maybe I wasn't actually addicted or maybe that person wasn't actually addicted. I, that's where I would kind of disagree. And I would say that's why my fundamental premise is that it, to, the de- like, to the degree addiction is real, it's just a psychological thing, right? And, and the only thing you can do psychologically is change your mind right? You have free will. That's the only thing you can do. There's no such thing as like, you have to fight it. You have to choose to fight that thing. And some people it will be tougher. Some substances might be tougher. You know, the longer you've done it, it might be tougher, but the only thing you have is the choice to stop. That is the only thing that you can do fundamentally. And I'm saying that the, the thing that will make that choice most important to you is when it's clear cut, this or my purpose. And that's it, right? Because otherwise, it's just a choice. Uh, and, and yeah, you're right. I don't think just, you know, some other possibly good thing uh, might will be strong enough necessarily to pull someone out of the addiction. And I do question whether or not I was uh, out of anything uh, I was potentially addicted to. Gambling and weed were the two. Like I really struggled when I would gamble to have any limits at all. Um, and I'd keep going back and losing money and weed. I really struggled to quit. I really, really struggled to quit. I even started smoking cigarettes because I was so used to smoking something. And I was like, well, at least like cigarettes at the time I thought were better for my brain at least. Um, and, and then, you know, I recently started, uh, I, I, in, in May, I started another experiment with weed and I, and like four months later, I like woke up almost like, oh shit, I've been smoking like way more than I had planned. Like, and I fell right back into it. So it was like a dangerous game to play with myself. And so, um, like, I definitely think though, like when I really actually hold it up as, and I, you know, I don't even know again, if I'm this extreme that like any alcohol, any weed is bad, evil, blah, blah, blah. But when I really say, okay, I know what my purpose is and the choice is that or this, it becomes a much different ball game than just on any given night, my choice is, you know, weed or TV or reading or whatever. Okay. One night I'll pick weed, right. Um, whatever it is. Right. So it, 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 it's a total different framing. Uh, if you really want to take the substance issues seriously. And I think we're largely saying, like, now that I take a step back, like, I step back and think about it, like, I think we're largely saying similar things and getting lost in the caveats a little bit, mm-hmm. um, where, like, I was just trying to highlight that, like, 
especially if you've gotten addicted before you had any idea what your pur- purpose is, it's hard to find time to really do that thinking uh, and to really like, you know, um, or articulate that for yourself. And at the end of the day, to your point, like if you don't want to be helped or you don't have another place to place your time, like you're probably not going to get helped, right? Um, right and I find a lot of the time, like making the decision, like being able to execute that willpower is, and a lot of like addiction counseling is giving yourself other tools so exercising your willpower becomes easier. And um, a good place that I can think about that is like, for me, I look at addiction similar to, um, and at least in my head, this this came to me, was that like the same way how if you want to lose weight, one of the first things that you do is get rid of your access. You like go into your pantry. Like if you have like bad food at home, you're likely going to go like in a bad moment, go and grab that food. You The first yeah. thing you do is throw out all the bad food. So I found like I had to limit my access physically. Like I couldn't, like I would make it a point to leave this somewhere or I would ask for help and tell someone, hey, like there's a problem that I'm having. Can you make sure that like you keep my phone or you keep this so like I can be broken apart from it and you are almost a barrier where if I need a phone, I'll ask you about it. And then he'd be like, do you actually need it? And like, there'll be someone there to help me. That's a easier way for me to put my willpower because that sort of stops me and goes, am I just bullshitting myself? Am I just bullshitting myself and getting this phone or am I like, um, and that's an easier conversation. It's an easier place to exercise your will than when you have your phone in your hand and you're automatically going through the scroll as you, as you mentioned. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, but I think there's an important point, right? And so, you know, I don't know, I don't want to get stuck in the weeds, but I think it's what is the primary orientation? And this actually makes me think of our conversation about values, our episode about values, Right. If you don't have anything positive you're aiming at, why, what is the motivation to set up those barriers? It's a lot harder to be motivated to get rid of the addiction if there's nothing positive to put in its place, because then there'll just be a hole. There'll be the hole that you filled with six hours of social media per day or whatever, right? And so you want to like, so if someone's trying to get over an addiction and trying to get help, I think an important first step is, well, what do you want out of life? right? Like why, why fundamentally, why do you want to quit? You don't want to quit just because you like, it's no good. It's no good relative to what, what would be better? Why would that be better? What do you want out of life? And I think if you have that in your mind, that's a lot of a better orientation to then actually have the willpower, right? Like, cause you're saying, uh, you know, if I choose this, I'm not getting that, not just, well, like this is just bad for some reason. Um, but I agree, the, the lack of access is a huge thing, right? So again, my, my biggest issue was with marijuana use. And the, you know, I smoked, I think, three times in a year and a half before then I consciously decided to experiment again and see what would happen, whether or not that was a good choice. But I didn't have any weed on me. And the three times I smoked, I had to, I literally was like, I messaged some people and I tried really hard to get it. And the whole time I'm thinking, is this actually what I want to be doing? And I had my reasons for thinking it was valuable at the time, which I, you know, it's not worth getting into. I still think they're valid though, but it, it, I fully think it's reasonable. And, you know, I talked about the gambling, how it's about paying attention to yourself. So the longer the process is to get to the point you want to be at with the substance, the more time you have to catch yourself in the act. And I think very vividly, you know, I used to have issues, not not for as long, but with sex as well, because I had a very addictive personality. Um, and I remember this one time, like, cabbing 30 minutes or something. 
And the whole time I'm thinking like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this right now? I don't even want to be doing it. Right. And it's like, you know, I, I was in a really bad space at the time generally, but like, you know, that's different than when I was at university and there was a bunch of women around, right. Versus I had to cab 30 minutes to get somewhere. Right. And so like that whole time I'm sitting in the cab, like, yeah, some people, I could just be on my phone distracting with a different drug the whole time. Or like, yeah, the, the bigger the hurdle is to something, the more difficult it is uh, to, to get there without noticing, I suppose, right? So you're more likely to catch yourself in the act of pursuing the thing you had previously decided you shouldn't pursue. Uh, so I think that's you know a hugely beneficial tool. And again, you talked about building habits. It's the, the corollary. 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 <laughs> I always mess with that word. The corollary is true as well. They say activation energy, right? If you want to play the guitar more, get a guitar stand, put it right next to the couch you sit on all the time. So it's there, right? And so it's the exact, you need to get rid of it. You, like literally after I talked to this guy uh, a week and a half ago, and he made a good argument as to why I shouldn't smoke, I went and threw out most of my weed. i I, I got rid of the rest of it through another means after, but I got rid of it because I was like, he's right. And I at least need to reset and, and get a fresh start and think about it properly again. Cause there are more things about, you know, uh, potential medicinal uses and all of that stuff, but uh, don't, I'll just go down a rabbit hole of my own thinking. Cause this is an issue I'm dealing with at the moment, but. And, and I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, and we like, I, I see us consistently pointing out like, and there's one thing that you mentioned that I think is also important to highlight on. Uh, and you talked about environment and um, there's a saying, and I forget who said it was that it's almost impossible for you to break an addiction if the people around you are actively engaging in it. Um, and that's probably the inverse right. of like, if you want to change yourself, move to a different city where you like the people around you won't push you to being the same old person. Um, it's if all of your friend, if you have an alcohol addiction, all your friends are alcoholics or all your friends are, all your friends go to bars at night and that's what they like doing. It's very hard to break that because you always have the access to it. You always have friends who are pushing you on. You have friends who are going to downplay the effects of it and things like that. So it's important to change your environment, like move somewhere else, do like find new friends. Like well, I, I think it's with, with, with uh, addiction counseling, one of the first things they tell drug addicts is do find new friends. Because your old friends are going to make you uh, take part in drugs all over again. Right. And, and I think this is a really important point that plays into the peer pressure thing. Like most adults get peer pressured too. You think it's like a teenage thing, but it's like, it's just a more abstract thing. Oh, well, these friends won't want to hang out with me or it'll be awkward if I just sit and don't drink or whatever. Right. And like I, when I quit drinking, um, I basically knew I just wouldn't see this one friend anymore because like, it's just not going to happen. And it was unfortunate, right? Like he was a good friend. There were some other issues going on too, but like, it's just, we didn't have other things we did. What we did was we drank, right? And there was someone else. All we did was smoke weed and watch cartoons. And it's like, well, I don't want to do that anymore. Right. Um, but I think environment is huge. And again, people have, they don't view it properly because they think, well, I'm in this environment, so I may as well drink. Like, this is the environment I'm in. Everyone does this. And it's like, well, no, like, that's because you're too scared to really create a new environment for yourself. I left Ontario because I was like kind of mad at myself that I wasn't strong enough, not even with like substances, but just the habit patterns I was in of like doing nothing with friends, like just wasting my life. Yeah, with people, but 
so I literally left. I left for a year or, you know, almost a year because I wasn't strong enough to not engage while still in that environment. And I was kind of frustrated with myself. I wish I didn't have to do that. Um, but now I'm back and, you know, I'm able because I practiced and I really thought, okay, what are my values and these sorts of things? And so I can come back into the environment. And, uh, you know, another vivid example, because gambling for me was the most potent, like it was the biggest hits of adrenaline. It was the best drug I've ever experienced. Um, you know, my, we'd, you know, my friends would go to the casino and, so, you know, I'd end up spending way, way more money or losing way more money than I wanted. And my dad would ask me, well, why don't you just go in with a limit and not go beyond the limit? Like, why don't you just do that? And my friends would just offer me money, right? Like as a loan, like, oh, I have some extra chips. Why don't you just play with this? And I said to him, like, imagine being somewhere and you're addicted to heroin and people are just like, do you want some heroin? Do you want some? Do you want some? Right? So it's like, I'd go in, I'd leave my debit card, I'd bring X amount of cash, but they'd offer it. Oh, well, I, I'm up here. Just take two. You can pay me back later. And you're there in the sense that like, it's really tough. And so that's like at the micro environment, which yeah, it's tough. Don't put yourself in those situations. Don't do it. But Oh, but that, you know, my friends, we go to the casino. It's a fun, we, it's a three hour drive total. That's a fun hangout too. Like I want to be in that environment. I want to hang out with these people who are drinking. So it's, it's the micro environment and the macro environment. And you really have to, again, abstract out and say, is this adding value to my life as a whole? And for most people, the answer is no, but they just kind of, it's what they know. It's the friends they have or whatever. And it's very scary to kind of say, to reject all of that. And also people, I think, are especially scared of being judged for their judgment, right? I think that's really what scares people. Um, you know, my friends think I think I'm better than them because I don't drink anymore. And it's like, well, that's partially true. Like, I don't think I'm better than them, but I, they have a value that I think is bad. And so there's judgment, there's a disagreement. And a lot of people, that's what they're scared of most is they don't want to be judged for judging. Mm -hmm. And this is this goes back to like what what I why I why I was a little bit uh, abrasive on when you said like it's just a choice between like your willpower because I initially thought you weren't understanding that point but like with the example that you said like you totally understand it um, where like you have to like I had to almost tell myself and not almost I guess I'm uh, <laughs> I'm rationalizing but I had to tell myself like um, I am not stronger than this addiction like at least in the moment now. Like I am and I will be, but at this moment, I need help from others. I need help from other, other like people to, or I need to really think about tools to limit this. Cause I beforehand yeah. said like, I could basically like, I thought like, and when, when I just started this podcast, right? Like I mentioned, I thought I would never, ever be in this situation. I thought like if I had a heroin addiction and people were coming around and, and saying, Hey, here's heroin, here's heroin. I'd be like, my willpower is so strong. I'll just be like, no. And I can just walk away. Um, but I came to realize through this that like, okay, I can get there at some point, but right now I need to understand that these, these algorithms are really, really good at what they do. And I need to armor myself well enough so that I am ready to go to battle with them. Yeah. And I think it's the, the important point is the willpower. It, these are all habit patterns, right? So the, the lack of willpower you have with respect to whatever the addiction is, is because of a lack of practicing willpower earlier on, right? 
So exactly. the first time you could say no to the drink, you could say no to the social media, but you don't activate that willpower and it becomes tougher and tougher. But that's true. You know, in objectivism, the cardinal sin is evasion, is just not wanting to look at reality just generally. And the more you do that, the harder it is to one day decide to look at reality, right? The harder it is to do anything when you've not practiced it. So yeah, by no means do I like look down on anyone who needs help or whatever, who, who can't just snap their fingers. But it, the, the snapping the fingers is the mental decision to like as a whole take on that battle. It's not that once you do say, no, you know what? I, I recognize it's my purpose and my life or this substance or whatever it is. Not, it's not magic. You have to walk however long it took you to walk into the issue. It's going to take you at least that long probably or at least that much effort to walk out of it. But it's that fundamental first decision that most people kind of take for granted. Like they don't actually know why and they can't actually get that switch to flip, right? Um, whereas I've had kind of many experiences with like mini switches flipping. So I'm very like attuned to that. Um, and this would be a big one for most people is like really like, you know, up to, you know, uh, a substantive part of their life, a substantive part of their day, daily life, um, throwing that away for lack of a better term. Right. Um, Agreed. yeah, it's, it's, there's lots of, uh, work, um, afterward. Right. Uh, and, um, it's like you mentioned even earlier, and I guess this is one of the last points that I think is important to hit on is the like, learn to love yourself along the process, right? Like you're going to like, not you're going to, but it's likely that you might have a relapse every now and then, but it's about like relapsing, but making sure you don't relapse to the place that you started, right? It's like maybe inch forward consistently so that like at, by the end, you've actually crossed the line. And it's important yeah. because it, because like we we've talked we've talked about this ad nauseum I think but it's like it's easy to it's easy to feel so bad for yourself like how could I have broken this like I told myself I made a decision and then you're even far past where you were before uh, and so it's important like to go in and be like hey like like it's like most people never quit smoking on the first time like they have to try a few times and sooner or later they'll get there and know that it's going to be a process and you're not going to be perfect in the uh, I guess in the execution. Yeah. And I think that point applies broadly to like mental health issues generally, right? It's like a, it's an upward trending sine wave, right? It's not a linear lineup. And you have to remember like when most people, when they have a down, it's not as bad as the last down was. It still feels really bad in the moment and still feels like a down and something you don't want to have. But you have to remember that though. I will add a caveat that says, like it really depends on again the person and the situation. There are some people, some substances that you really should go cold turkey, right? And whether you need help, you need rehab or whatever. Like there are situations where that is appropriate, um, and you know you have to talk to mental health professionals or addiction specialists or whatever. Um, but that being said, yeah, it's important if you do uh, fall back, you have to view it as a as a long game. Right. Because, you know, the very typical example is someone who tries to quit smoking cigarettes after six days, gives in, has a cigarette. And they're like, well, I may as well have a whole pack. And then they're just give up. Right. So they have to kind of view the big picture. And again, that comes. Well, why am I trying to quit? I'm not trying to quit because today I shouldn't smoke. I'm trying to quit because I want to live a good life. I want to live a long time or whatever. 
And so it's only if you look at your life from a broad view that then you can look at the, the addiction from a broad view. Whereas if most people just live their life day to day, then the addiction is just something bad that I'm doing today, but whatever, right? So um, like it's important to, you have to have that, like that um, you know, broad view to then be able to know, and it's still tough in the moment, but to be able to know, yeah, okay, I'm on a, I'm Upward trending upwards, right? And um, that sparks a, a good idea that I heard that it's, I've, I've executed and it's worked well, but some, in some cases, of course, there's caveats where it might not, where if you feel the need to relapse or you feel the need to like, I want to spend a day looking at social media just to like, you know, get like, because I really want to do it. And like, I know I want to do this. Um, set it up so you don't do it then, you do it tomorrow. Um, and this works for habits as well. Like, I, like if you want to take a break from exercise, say you'll take a break tomorrow, but do it today. And most of the time I find that once tomorrow comes by, it's like, oh, I was just fooling myself yesterday. Like I actually don't need, I actually don't need this. And I'll do that with it. Like, oh, like um, if, if you're going to have a cigarette, don't have a cigarette today. Plan to have a cigarette tomorrow. By the time you get tomorrow, you're like, wow. Like, especially at the end of the day, I'll look back and be like, I'm proud of myself for pushing this off and exercising that willpower. So tomorrow I'm like, wow, exercising that willpower felt so great. I'm not going to do it again either. And I feel better today. So if I want to have a cigarette next time, I'll plan it for the next day as well. And I found that to be helpful. And sometimes, of course, it's harder. It's easier said than done or harder said than done. Um, But uh, it's a a good tool that I've used and I've tried. And I got it from, I think, I don't know if it was Jocko Willink or uh, David Goggins. I think that makes sense because it's basically you don't want to ever do stuff without choice, right? And the addiction, it just becomes a habit and you just do it without thinking. And so if you can kind of delay it and and it's also the, the mindfulness thing, you want to pay attention to the feeling, the desire, the need and say, okay, it's there. I feel it, but I don't have to give into it right away. So I'm going to, I'm going to like satiate my mind by saying I'll do it tomorrow, I think at some point that might wear out because your mind will know you're lying uh, or it, like never actually gets it. But I do think that's a good tool. Yeah. Well, that's all I uh, that's all I got in addiction. I think we covered most of it. Um, any other last thoughts that you have, David? Only that I don't like how when you end it like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, I think a good place. For me, especially because I wrote it down, I'll do. I want to go through a quick rundown of that list, um, just to sort of wrap it up. Uh, which was we talked about like cases in which it's good to like don't go cold turkey or wean off of it, um, limiting your access, asking for help, changing your environment, finding healthier alternatives, uh, rewarding your progress, and then forgiving yourself if you fail. Any others that you think are ways specifically? And of course, there's the caveats that we sort of ran through, but any other things that you think is important to add to that list? Yeah, so I think all of those can only work if you actually have a positive purpose in your life you're aiming at, right? You have to know why you want to quit fundamentally. What is it taking away from your would-be ideal life? So think about what life do you want to live and why? Um, And then those are all tools that can help you achieve it. But the fundamental choice to quit deeply uh will come from you're quitting for something cool man couldn't think of a better way to end it (laughs) sounds good david appreciate it man talk soon